architecture itself is like a skeleton. It's I think it could belong very much to the place where it's built and to the time when it's built. But then once you start furnishing it, this should be this relationship. And not just for exterior wealth, but for more a deeper emotional expression and message. Hello everyone and welcome to Strelka Institute podcast. This time you are in for a lecture by Axel Vivord, a Belgian designer and antiques collector who talks about the Japanese Wabi philosophy in interior design and architecture. This lecture took place at Strelka Institute in 2011. I would like to start with what we did in the, as an exhibition in Venice during the Biennale of Contemporary Art in 2007, which we called Artempo. And Artempo came from a concept that the time itself is also an artist. The time itself, they transform the things and they change the things. And sometimes like real old walls, we could look at it like a beautiful abstract painting. And in this exhibition, I put things of old walls next to very contemporary art and, and this very expensive art was like very expensive and the walls you can have anywhere where you want or a beautiful stone that's found that's made million years ago by nature it could be next to a wonderful piece of sculpture and as a symbol of this exhibition so we asked uh, the artist uh, El Anetsui to make a work El Anetsui is an African artist from Ghana I think it's always important when art also serves and he was a, an artist who worked at other things but in his villages in Ghana uh, people were starving you know they had no money no work no food and he invented art that took a lot of labor to make these people work and there were old factories of beer and from the leftover of the tins which were on piles there he said we knit it together and from this lead he made like this fabulous textile and it was quite high it was like 40 meters by 20 but what I like very much about it, so it's made by time, it's made to throw away, and that somebody else, you know, an artist can make from what you throw away, you can make art. And it's kind of an alchemistic idea that from lead you make gold, but it looks like very rich, uh, fabulous textile. And it's just made from things you throw away from a beer tip. I just started with this because I, I think all my life I had an enormous appreciation for old things and antique things and nature, what nature made itself, which I mixed with art and which I wanted to be surrounded me in my daily life and also in a way of life living with art because I think living with art is very important and one may also of installing houses and doing architecture is all about proportions of architecture also a lot of sacred proportions and using as much as possible local materials even goes so far that even using the local earth to make walls and all this doesn't exclude a very luxurious life as well. It's a very strange mixture, but it's very spontaneous. I don't do it to create a style or to make a style. It's just the way I like it profoundly. And I think it's good for evolution. And I think it's good for the spirit. And I think it's something I like to share with others. Because I remember when I asked the mayor of Venice, can I have this palace? He said, yes, but only the grounds are not this floor, because this floor is not restored yet. And I said, this is exactly what I need. It's not restored. It's n nothing is done to be beautiful. The walls as, are, as they are, and you can look at it as they're made by time. It's art made by time, which is in a mixture, you know, with a, a fantastic piece of Bury, Graubner, Fontana, like a Cesar, agglomeration of, of raw material, which he made in the 50s 
which was very important in already in the in the 50s uh, these artists realized that we have to do with things we throw away like today the 21st century there's no room anymore to throw away 20th century was a century you make you use it's used, you throw away, you make new, you use, you throw away. Today, there's no place anymore to throw away. So I think living with old things today is much more actual than always making living only with new things. Artists always feel these things almost 50 years before science and, and industry realizes it. Huh? And next to that, is, it's, an it's a, a miskiln of an oven of the 12th century Khmer. It also looks like contemporary art. So for me, it's very important that you don't even realize when something is made. That's a, a work by Tapies, also throw away zinc and a buri, again on this old wall made by time. But then besides that, we made the room totally pure. Because I think in life it's important that you have variation in a house. And also the way you want to, your interest. I think it's not necessary that you say, I decide now I want everything at tempo, or I have to decide I want everything minimal art, very square and very wide. I think sometimes you would you love this minimal and very pure and with almost nothing, but sometimes as a human being, the same human being can also love a more warmer space or a more a space where the time did leave its traces. I think it's always important for me as well, we live today in the 21st century where it's a century as a world civilization. It's like East meets West, old meets new. And this is a early figure of a, of a Lohan. And a Lohan is not a Buddha. He's a, a human being who achieved enlightenment, as close as you can get it. And it dates from the 13th century, 1260 something, which we put together in a room with uh, paintings by Opalka. He was always writing in 1965 he started putting number one on a black canvas and every painting he finished he added one percent of white till the end of his he only died like not so long ago one month ago then he, he was writing like white on white and he, he achieved like five million and something so all his lifetime it's a conceptual very important it's like a meditation he did but while he was writing was also speaking it was all registered and when and his voice was here but it had nothing to do with buddhist because he's definitely not a buddhist but I would find very interesting this confrontation between this what was not meant to be Buddhist and to bring to, together with this Buddhist Luan figure and you felt something in common. And then I think if you, the science, knowledge is very important. This is a painting I bought of, uh, I brought here of uh, Piero Pacioli. He was a monk. It dates from 1500, 1500. And he's explaining to his uh, students uh, all about polyedros, all about the proportion. And it means all about proportion of human being in cosmos. And in our human mind, science, physics knows today that we recognize in our brains, you know, what are vertical lines and what are horizontal lines, also in feeling. And our brains realize when once these two lines are in perfect harmony, like the golden section, like 1.618 mathematically, we receive a kind of sentiment of peace and harmony. This is extraordinary that somebody already, like a thousand years ago you know they discovered this that's why i think for those who study architecture i think there's a great need today to learn all the sacred proportions 
of the Egyptians, of the Romanesque period, of the Renaissance, because it all comes back to the same thing. And you find it back in nature, in so many things. And I think it's very important that we feel very good in the house. I think the main thing, if people ask you, can you do something for my house, is to make the people happy in the house, I think is the main thing. And it's to create harmony and that they discover themselves and that they have find a different dimension of themselves that they didn't even know before. It's not good, I think, you have to go and live in a house that the decorator made and you have to go and live in that house. I think as a decorator, as an architect, I think you have to find the right harmony between making something that is on its own beautiful, but that is also the portrait of the people living in it. I think the architecture itself is like a skeleton. It's, I think it could belong very much to the place where it's built and to the time when it's built. But then once you start furnishing it, this should be this relationship. And not just for exterior wealth, but for more a deeper emotional expression and message. Between the Artempe exhibition in Venice and the next exhibition in Venice was, was Infinitum, which is the beauty of the non-finished, that really uh, infinity is in the non-finished because we as human beings, you know, we are not, we cannot do, perfection does not exist. If we think perfection exists, we are frustrated. We can never achieve it or get damaged or get, it's never that. So I think leaving space enough for the imperfection is very interesting. And sometimes you can see in the, inf- in the non-finished, there's infinity or there's a divine. But to study this, you need to go through academy or to workmanship and this why we did the exhibition academia in l'école des beaux-arts in paris eh, which was a school for all artists and where you see models of all kinds of periods and where you have this message of artists made out, out of all of which and this contradiction and confrontation because I personally like very much the confrontation with art because I think good art lives on its own and it has a character, it has a soul and it's like bringing lots of beautiful, fantastic people together around the table. You create a fantastic conversation and I think it's the same way it's good to bring art together. They make each other stronger. You understand one piece through the other one and so on. So one plus one is much more than two. Like with two human beings, it can be as well. Fontana plays a very important role in my life. I was only 21 when I bought the first Fontana. I was just touched by it. In the beginning, I didn't even understand it because it took me quite a while before you realize why this art is so important. But he was like after in the late 50s uh, when people went on the moon, after the big destructions of all the wars, the bomb of Hiroshima, so everything was destroyed. He said, what can we still paint? We have to start from nothing. We have to find a next dimension. So he was before his canvas and he just opened the canvas. He said, and I create an endless void, you know, an endless void and out of this void everything will be reborn. So like this is like naturas he made. It's like new cosmic elements, like new moons. And like one gesture of human being, it's like the first gesture of a human being to give birth. So you hurt as well to give birth. It's a hurt and healing process, which is a very vital thing that comes back in all civilizations and all that. And I think you will see this in my work also very much. Like, again, this is also something that as a human being, it's not like I want to cut it in half and it should be perfect. It just cuts it like it comes. and. It's something you can only do once. You can never repeat it. It's like there's a Japanese expression which is say, Ishigo Ishie. It means 
every moment is unique. There's a lot of things in life you could never do twice. You can do it once. And like it, making this art as well. And I think accepting this gives a very peaceful and important to accept that a lot of things in life have one direction. You can only do them once. Ishiraga, for me, is the most important Japanese artist of the 20th century. The same concept from Japan. In the beginning, they didn't know each other, Fontana, Ishiraga. Uh, after the bomb of Hiroshima, after total destruction, he said, we have to start from nothing. We have to forget all the Japanese tradition. He took his own body, turned it into mud, and they were filming it like was the first performance artist to start from nothing. And then with his painting, he would put paint on, he would meditate on a big canvas, Till it was one with this deep emptiness and to get out of this deep meditation it was faint like in one gesture i personally think that you feel the power and no hesitation and it's like a human being is almost like a brush of cosmic power is there there's no ego in it he was from a japanese samurai family and i think it's very important that in some of this kind of art you have not to be yourself. You have to be one from something very big and be extremely free and free of yourself as well to be able to create. We made a kind of a labyrinth in Wabi style, totally Japanese concept, but we did use nothing Japanese in the elements. It was made in Venice, so we used ricoli, the wood that they throw away because uh, where you see the canals, you know, all the, the bricoli is all these woods and they now replace them all with plastic, it's terrible. Those, we made the pillows, which they call tokonobashi, and just platforms, and the platforms are tokonomas, and toko means platform, and ma is the framed emptiness. So it's to give to the emptiness a different quality. And then I put objects which were with the same mentality, like a small painting by Rotko, and then two ceramic bowls by Raku. Uh, Raku is the most important Japanese potter, and they, he makes those bowls for tea ceremony. They have a very high value, because he is the one who's capable to make the most interesting empty space. They speak more about what you feel and you don't see, what's the inside of it, you know. The, uh, the empty space of the bowl in Braku bowls is of such a high quality, that's why Japanese people really appreciate this at a very high level. And it, they consider it more important than painting or sculpture. At the moment we have an exhibition on, which is the exhibition Tra. And Tra means in between. It comes out of this concept of Ma, the Ma, because Japanese have words for it. But I think once you read about it, you think about it, it's very important, I think, for me, that with framing things, there's a kind of emptiness. But this emptiness can have so many different qualities it depends the frame. All this exhibition in Venice is, is about that, about things you feel, but you don't see them. And that's why Nicola Nimrodi, it's a Belgium artist from Italian origin. It's only an object like this size, but he created like steps to an emptiness and picture best doesn't show it, but in really it's amazing. It's like there is a very, something very special happening inside. Invisible object of Giacometti, that's where you come in the exhibition. So it's Giacometti, this figure holds the invisible object. Huh? Painting by Michael Borromans, who he feels the energy of the grounds. Uke, it's on the top floor. He made this after the commemoration of the Kobe earthquake, where people just go away. It's not stable, it hangs on the ceiling. And it's uh, all the chairs and nails and it's hurt. And, and it's all binded with textile. Like it's uh, also, people have been very hurt. But, you know, they healed again and all other people are helping them and they go away for a new life. This is like first writing, Babylonian script, just like 
Little Nails is the first known writing about 600 BC. And that's a, a cushion of Uker. Child had died and he, he could not express himself. He didn't find a word for it. And he said, I just did put the nails in that cushion. These were the words I could not find uh, to express myself. And the painting is hardly to see. It's like a Opalka, the last work before he started with the numbers in 1965. And this is where I started when I was uh, 21. I was studying and I thought I, want, I, want to, I was already collecting when I was 14. I went on buying trips and, and I think I have to make a business or an industry or some whatever to be a good collector. But I went to the army. Everybody in the army said nothing to sell and all at your grandma or whatever and I did buy so well in the army beautiful paintings and silver and things I have to become an art dealer and a collector in the same time and then I wanted to have I never wanted to have a shop because I like to merge the things what I do I'm very passionate about everything I buy and I just want to live with it and I didn't never have wanted a feeling that I want to put it in a shop. So I wanted an old house to restore, a very old house. And, and then uh, my mother discovered this little old street of uh, dates from 1500 till uh, later. But me, most of the houses were from 1500 to 1600. And I wanted to buy one or two houses it. And I had to buy the old street, but it was not only that, nothing. And I must say, I had the courage then to do it and worked very, very hard to realize it all in 18 years restoring to this place. And, but it was very extraordinary. And then I learned a lot, which I had to use later in my work, because my love for these old walls, uh, old beams, and still also at the same time love for contemporary art. I think this combination made it very timeless. And I think for many people and other collectors who love this very much, and very quickly we had people from all over the world. That's how it, it all has been growing. And Because this was our house when we lived in this old street, and this room is made in... Um, I think when Boris was just born, so it's in 1974, 75, something. So one would say made today, and it's with a contemporary painting by Schaeferin, a Gothic table, Khmer bust, and these vases in the front, they're 12th century Khmer. They're also, it's a table I specially designed those days for that room, the sofa as well. It, the old planches are the original one, they're that white. They were totally rotten, everybody would say, just throw them away, but we try to repair them because because you know this love for, for really old things and uh, and the ceiling is the original one from the 16th century room we have now in the castle where you feel the style but i never do it to have a style but i can recognize this as a kind of a style that is ours is there's this mixture of things that come from nature there's a, a 16th century uh, japanese green of very cosmic power is the dragon that comes out of the heaven. It's like action painting. For me, it's like action painting, like American action painting, but from the 16th century. And that's why I love it so much. And there's a, a chair from the 20th century, and there's always fireplace, because I think fireplace is very important. It's very important for the spirit as well uh, to make fire. It purifies the air, and, and it's very good for the soul, I think, and to, to look at it. The walls, when we discovered this room, when we I bought the castle, so will you see a little bit further this place it's a medieval castle where the towers are still from uh, exists already in 1100 1108 but it has been transformed all the time and it's quite severe from this side but that's the north part and then the south uh, that's inside and 
Oh, there's a library room. Okay, uh, that's the south part. So the south part was transformed in 1720 with big windows and a view on a beautiful park, and we see the sunrise and the sunset. And I must say, this is a very inspiring place because it has lived almost a thousand years. We live there, we have meetings there, and, and I love to organize a week with wonderful people who are very inspiring, like scientists or musicians or of different disciplines, and bring them together. Even people who don't know each other, but who be conference and really to get new ideas and how we can build on a new society i think because today we live in a very very interesting period i think a lot of things go bad look like a lot of old values not stable anymore people that don't work anymore but in history always when some things goes down there's always something else growing and i think it's very important to belong to that period that grows and and to find what is really where you can help to give a positive evolution to the world like also restoring this castle this was a 19th century room with 19th century ceiling and the wallpaper we discovered and parquet floor was not there anymore but we made it in our workshops that's more like a collector's room where you have the old pictures it's i love the minimal but I, mean, I love luxury as well, and I love beautiful objects of all periods, and I think they express also a fantastic uh, time, and they create a fantastic warmth. And that was very nice, because you see the blue and white jug, which I discovered in a collection, and then some collector said, oh, I don't think, I believe it's right, because this model does not exist, it's so rare. And I did everything to find in books, and after the end, I found the painting, where it was painted on, with the faults and all that and these are all nice little stories in the life of an art dealer a library room because the library is more like a collector's room like things you collect a whole lifetime you bring them all together and it creates an extremely warm atmosphere you know and that's our chimney where a symbolic in the middle you have a fontana which is for me also very important is this extra dimension huh? It's an early Fontana, 1958. The Tsung, the square piece, is on the left and the P is on the right because the Tsung resembles uh, Earth. Also in China, in Kabbalistic knowledge, uh, the square is always a manifestation of uh, earthy feeling of God on Earth. And the circle is the heaven, is the cosmos, you know, the endless. And for me, the three things together is like the Earth and you live on the Earth and you have... Co and then the Fontana is like searching for like a ladder to search a next dimension into the cosmic feeling the heaven it's not just for decorative a lot of things are as always have a deeper sense i think the more i evolute in this in my task or whatever one says or in my profession i think it's very important that things have a deeper sense but sometimes you feel the deeper sense without knowing and you sometimes you know afterwards like i think a lot painters they paint something and they don't know what they do and they look at it when it's once it's fixed and there we create i think again this mixture between two worlds when we bought the castle, it was full of trees and, and lots of little flowers, yellow and pink. And red. So we took just everything out and on one side. We, because, and all the flowers we put together in the wall garden, where we have lots of flowers to go and cut. But in the landscape, I really love this extremely serene uh, silence. And these are big rhododendrons, and they're cut like mountains. It's like our Zen garden, but it's in a bigger scale. The grass is like the sand. You see the little path in it, which we... We're just the lawn we take there, which goes in the forest for a very nice walk. And then there will be very high uh, beechwood uh, hedges. And then to go 
<laughs> then you could say you live in this beautiful big place and still this is a wonderful little room, a little tea house I have far in the park. This little path you just so you can walk to and this is made with earth and wood I just found in the park and I went together with a Japanese architect, Tatsuro Miki, on the rules and the principles of a Japanese tea house. It's very small. There's a little fireplace in it, but it's just an amazing place to go and sit. That's why I wanted to show this to you, that you saw this sometimes very great luxury in gold and gilt, which is nice when you use it in the right way. But this does not exclude that something like this is also fabulous. And, and sometimes you have the most beautiful moments of your life in it. You can talk to somebody on a way, on a very profound way. It's very important to be very close to Earth as well. It is, is the opposite of sophistication, but it's perhaps also the ultimate sophistication because the proportions is very important. It's all sacred proportions. Everything has a reason and it's done. The walls are made with local Earth and glue together and it gets the most fantastic color. This little light is only a light big like that, a hole in the roof, where, and the light turns around there. In the attic room in the castle, so where we also have this room where we can look films, but this is also kind of a tokonoma, you know, toko platform of ma, of empty space, where you can sit in the fireplace, you can see also our dog. It is more than it shows. That's in another house, not in a house, it's like a bathhouse in that style, this wabi style. The wabi style comes from wabi-sabi, and uh, wabi is a search for harmony, and sabi is with very poor, very simple things. And uh, it was kind of a tradition in, in the Japanese the Imperial Palace. The emperor would also have his, uh, his tea house in a wabi style to get out of this gold and gilded uh, uh, palace to, to be reconnected with uh, uh, earthy feelings. And I think more than ever we need this uh, uh, today. And I know all the clients and friends who, who have a room in this spirit, they just adore it. And it's amazing. It gives another dimension, another connection. And, but it should not be too Japanese. It's a Japanese principle, but we always use a local material. Like this is also made with local stones and uh, from the area, it is local earth on the wall. And we even did put a contemporary paint uh, work by uh, Günther Uke instead of a Japanese work, because otherwise it would be too much like a Japanese reproduction of a house and it would lose its uh, universal power. I think this is more done for, for to have this deep connection, you know. Of, uh, and I think today in a world which is very plastic, we need it more than ever. That's an, another room we made in an orange. It's also, also the reuse sometimes you can reuse old material like contemporary art it's not like faking something but i just love this door with these old colors it's in a new builded house we the beams we used for pulling the concrete it's as a use nothing is done just for decoration walls are done with real chalk and the floor as well you know real lime real natural materials even a fantastic basquia which looks like expensive just look like it's some graffiti and that's a pool house we made somewhere in germany which we bought a huge barn which we put on that spot. So the barn was uh, already dismounted for a motorway or for whatever. So we brought it back and made the big modern windows, also the just earthy floors, and it's a pool house, so it's really room to relax after the swimming. And that's in our place. We have an industrial building besides the castle, about four kilometers from where we live. We have our workshop, and we make a museum and collection, and there's also a gallery, and, uh, and it's in an old industrial building. It's like in all these buildings. It's all area we bought little by little in the last 
last uh, 15 years and uh, we're going to do there an, a very interesting project I think like this is coming we work with several architects so it looks like a little village it is like a little town in the village and uh, Stefan Bell uh, Kusein Goris like these old buildings there make them bigger than those towers and in the middle we just make very simple buildings we made just the windows where we needed them to have the best view to have the sound to have the where we need it for and that's in the industrial building which we leave as it is because I think it's so beautiful when we bought the place it was full of big iron uh, citerns uh, to keep mold for, to make beer so we made it all empty throw everything away what we didn't need and we just kept the skeleton of this building and I, I love industrial architecture because it's not made to be beautifully just made by engineers it's made to to be just solid it's always a wonderful sense of proportions and i love the feeling of because it's so real it's deep going in and yes you see there we had uh, some music a concert one day in that room and that's another place it is where the big towers are standing it's huge con solid concrete columns and, but they become like a temple once you give it another use. Huh? And we have a collection of old Varavati sculpture there, which is 6th century uh, Buddhist uh, uh, figures. These were the first monks uh, that were, went out of India in the 6th century where religion and uh, politics became one and it was very dogmatic and they say we, have to, we want to preach pure life, we have to get enlightenment and we don't want to be gods, we just want to be human beings at a higher level. And uh, a lot of them were killed and they were escaped, they were in the northern Thailand and it's a very rare collection. I think there's the only collection of six pieces like that in the world. And then we have one building, which is a central building where all the grains arrived. And, and I, see, I think, how much shall we do to all this industrial complex to give it new spirit of life? And then we thought we would like to make it like a chapel of universal peace and knowledge. And, and, uh, and then we thought about several artists and our choice came to Anish Kapoor. And then uh, we had this piece, which is told in 1999 for the year 2000, like a present for Universal Peace, uh, so people can come and visit it. And we have this fantastic couple by Anish Kapoor in one room, and it's amazing. It's like the fullness of emptiness. You, and you feel it physically and, and spiritually, and even children love it. They see it, and, and there's an immense sound, and there's something like you soaked in it. Or it's, some people are scared of it as well. But I think some great art is also a physical experience, and uh, I like that very much. Thank you. Subscribe to Strelka Institute podcast on your favorite platform and don't miss the next episode in two weeks' time about urban smell as information. Bye-bye.